And our text this morning will be Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. And there uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, declares, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. And then for our uh, greater focus here this morning, for he himself, speaking of God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the privilege of being able to study it. And we pray for you to freshly fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what you wanted to speak into each of our lives and into our personal relationship with you from these two verses. And so we pray for that anointing upon your word today. And Lord, we long for it not only for our own lives and for this church, but we pray it for uh, everywhere your word is being taught in this city today and everywhere that it's being taught all around the world, that you would give it a great power, you would add your voice and authority to it and your witness to it and impact this entire world today through worship, through the study of your word. We pray that you would draw many, many people to you today as well. And we ask for this work of your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I was prepared to uh, resume our series on uh, gleanings from the book of Genesis today and head into uh, Jacob's wrestling with the Lord. But as, as I got that all situated, and I, but there was something that I just couldn't shake all week long. I even tried to shake it, but I, I couldn't do it, and uh, something that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share, and so endeavoring to be obedient uh, to Him, that's where we'll go this morning. I'll let you decide whether it's of the Lord or not, and, uh, but this morning I want to Uh, uh, speak on the subject of boldness uh, in the Christian life. And it'll be a topical study. So for those of you who are note takers, I'll be mentioning a a number of verses today, and you can write them down And because we'll be jumping all, all over the place. I want to begin with trying to understand what a biblical boldness Uh, is. There are four different Greek words that are used in the New Testament that are translated boldness or boldly or bold. And to each one of them, for their slight variations, they all really have a common idea of boldness or courage or bravery, confidence, fearlessness, uh, candor. They even have the idea of literally to lift up the head and uh, to not walk through life with our head drooped down, but our, for our head to be up, and, uh, and the idea of us boldly facing our circumstances as opposed to uh, considering myself to be a victim of any circumstance that I find myself in as a Christian, or uh, kind of going through my life with my head down and looking and feeling defeated by 
uh, our circumstances in uh, life. And so to live boldly is to live life uh, confidently. It is to live life fearlessly and courageously. And uh, boldness, as it's described in the Bible, it isn't a self-existent thing. It isn't something that we have to work up in our own flesh. It, it is founded in something. And boldness is founded uh, supremely in the Scriptures on three great things. Uh, number one, the presence of God. Number two, the promises of God. And number three, the power of God. And first, it is founded upon uh, the recognition of God's presence in us as Christians and His presence also with us. And uh, as we saw here in the passage and in Hebrews, for He Himself, that is God, has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That speaks to His presence in us and with us. And then the writer goes on and says, so, that's a, that's a reason word, that's a response word. So we uh, may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? And this boldness comes out of that realization that the Lord will never leave us and He never ever uh, forsakes us. And that this recognition that God is alive and He is both in me and with me as a Christian, it will always transform. Uh, my view of life or my view of any circumstance that I, I find myself in. There's a, a famous story concerning Martin Luther and his wife Kate. And in this regard, Martin Luther was uh, generally a, a very cheerful man, but he was prone to uh, periods of deep depression. And one time he hit a, one of those seasons of depression in his life, and it was uh, so uh, deep that his friends uh, encouraged him to go off and uh, uh, to another place and try to refresh a little bit and get over this. And so uh, he did. And he uh, then returned home after this period of time. And he was in still in the same depressed condition and miserable as ever. And he came into his house and, and he went into the sitting room and his wife Kate uh, was sitting there dressed in black. The children were all dressed in black. And uh, Martin Luther thought somebody had died. And so he asked Kate, Oh my, uh, who is dead? And she responded, Why, doctor, have you not heard that God is dead? My husband Martin Luther would never be in such a state of mind if he had a living God to trust uh, uh, to. And uh, Martin Luther is said to have burst into laughter at that point and instructed her and the children to uh, go and take off the black clothing. And uh, he confessed to acting as if God were dead. And uh, he said, I will do so uh, no more. And we all know, I think, something uh, about this in our lives and how many of us live uh, perhaps day in and day out uh, without even uh, giving any thought to the fact that God is a living God and present in our life. That great truth makes no difference upon how we view our circumstances or how we view uh, life. And, and it's very easy to slip into a place of living life day in and day out as if God were dead. 
and give no weight to his life and his presence with us at all. And uh, we never bring this great truth to our thinking and our doing and our feeling. And it's important to uh, do that. The second thing this boldness is founded upon is knowing and claiming the promises of God in uh, every circumstance in life. And uh, we have promises in the Bible uh, for every conceivable circumstance that we can uh, in, engage in and, and come into contact with uh, in life. They promises that address every circumstance. And they're there, but they don't become effectual in our lives until uh, we claim them, until we believe them, until we introduce them into the circumstance and uh, put them into play uh, in our lives. And personally, I can't speak for you, but I suspect you're in the same uh, position that I am in. I have never known God to fail in a single promise from His Word to me as a Christian. And it isn't because I've lived some kind of a charmed life or some kind of an easy life without difficulty and without trial. There have been many times where I have wondered uh, uh, quietly in my own heart uh, whether uh, God was going to prove Himself faithful in a particular uh, circumstance, whether I would even survive the situation and the circumstance. And always given enough time, He has proven Himself to be completely faithful to His promises. So I sit at this, stand at this particular point in my life, at this age that I am, having walked with the Lord for so many decades now, and I've never known Him to fail a single promise in His uh, Word. I will confess that there have been times where uh, I could have and I should have uh, faced and navigated some a difficult circumstance in my life with a greater boldness in God's promise. I should have claimed the promise strongly. I should have uh, stood more firmly upon that promise. I, I should have been more believing that this promise will have the final say in this situation. Whatever it is that I'm seeing or whatever it is that I'm uh, feeling at, at the moment, but instead I found myself uh, kind of tossed to and fro by the circumstances, and always when I get to the other side of that kind of a situation, I find myself a little bit embarrassed that I hadn't uh, stood on the promises, claimed the promises a little more completely than I did. And I know I'm not alone in that, and I think to myself, well, I, it, 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 the impact that that kind of thing can sometimes have upon uh, my Christian witness in the situation and those watching. And, but also it makes going through difficult circumstances uh, even more uh, miserable. I certainly would have passed the trial far more peacefully and victoriously if I had claimed the promises of God and, uh, and claimed it over and above all that I was thinking and all that I was uh, feeling. Now, uh, today there are two, I think, uh, great questions on the minds of most people, not only in Modesto and in the United States, but in the entire world concerning this uh, epidemic. And the first question is, when will this current epidemic 
end? And the second question, I think, is how will this current epidemic end? And this morning, I want to supply you with a partial, uh, but the most important answer to the second question of how will this uh, current epidemic end, and it will end with God having kept every promise in His Word to us. As impossible as it may seem to us presently, or what uh, awaits us yet on this path that the whole world is on, that it will end, and when it ends, we will look uh, behind us and realize that God has kept every promise of His Word to us. That's how sure His Word is. The Bible says He cannot lie. Uh, He cannot do anything other than be faithful to His Word. And the third foundation to our uh, boldness is found in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and uh, and His power. And we'll talk more upon that in just a moment. And so, as Christians, I mentioned it before, as Christians, we are, uh, in a previous study, uh, we are not... Uh, we are not without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. That's a great verse that God keeps reminding me of in all of this. That we as Christians, we are not without hope and without God. Once we were without hope and without God, we are in the circumstances that we are in with a very, very uh, present God. And I think this might be a good place to just pause and ask ourselves concerning how we view life, how we view our circumstances in life, uh, how uh, we carry ourselves in uh, life, even the body language of it, and ask ourselves what difference does the reality of God's presence, the reality of His promises and His power Uh, really uh, make in my Christian life? Am I even conscious of them? And are they impacting my thinking, my feeling, uh, my doing, and my decision-making? Or is my life dominated by a timidity? Is it dominated by uh, a fear or hopelessness or a sense of defeat? Do I allow my physical circumstances uh, to push me around? and to bully me. Uh, Circumstances uh, are bullies so often in life, and I'm I'm letting them uh, push me around unnecessarily and and bully me uh, uh, to determine the quality of my Christian life and my faith. Has it perhaps been ages since I have met my circumstances in life boldly? And uh, is my life characterized by a a quiet, bold confidence in the presence of God, the power of God, the promises of God. And if you're in that place uh, this morning where you say, no, my Christian life isn't marked by boldness or any kind of inward or outward manifestation of this kind of confidence, I don't think the Lord wants us to be where we are in looking at this passage here today to rebuke us. That's not the tone of, of the message at all. But rather, He wants to remind us of the different, difference that His presence and His promises and His powers 
uh, power are intended to make in our lives in order to then use them to draw us into a, a spiritually bold life. Now, I think it is important to determine what uh, and understand what uh, a biblical boldness in our life is not. Uh, it is not a license to be obnoxious to people uh, or to behave uh, arrogantly or insensitively to people. It's not saying that I am supposed to speak everything that comes to my mind uh, under uh, in any and every circumstance. It's not uh, telling people the truth in an unloving way and uh, with a greater concern for being bold in the situation than uh, possessing a loving concern for those that we're uh, speaking to. It isn't, a, in, in a nutshell, it isn't a license to be a bull in a china shop. And a person with a misunderstanding of biblical boldness will do a lot of damage. But they'll be so busy congratulating themselves upon uh, how bold they are uh, that they'll rarely notice all of the damage they're doing to everyone and everything uh, all around them. A biblical boldness will never violate the nature of Jesus. And Jesus' ministry, uh, from the beginning of it to the end of it, His uh, earthly ministry was marked by tremendous boldness. Uh, and yet, as Matthew quoted Isaiah regarding the ministry of Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 12, uh, verse 19, he will not quarrel nor cry out, uh, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. In other words, he won't be a political uh, rabble-rouser or riot producer. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice uh, to victory. And so there is this uh, uh, gentle side in this counterbalance to how we understand boldness so often uh, in, in, the, in the culture. That great chapter on love in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that describes the, the love that comes uh, from the Holy Spirit, that it suffers long and is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up. And then for our purposes this morning in this boldness, it uh, does not behave itself rudely. And so any uh, rude manifestation of boldness is a boldness uh, that is not a biblical boldness. So we might define uh, boldness as engaging life with confidence. And God wants us to engage life with confidence and to engage life with a confidence based upon, again, God's presence with us, based upon His promises to us, and based upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now, the fact that the Bible would talk about our need for boldness as Christians indicates that we're going to be in situations that are going to require boldness. In other words, that we'll be in circumstances that uh, apart from this boldness that God imparts into our life, it would leave us fearful. Uh, the circumstances would leave us uh, timid. It would 
uh, it would silence us. It would make a, a cowards of, of, uh, of any of us, that that would be our natural response in the, in the situation. And so, uh, the importance of this boldness uh, coming from God in, in light of, of the fact that uh, the, the circumstances that we can find ourselves in would naturally our response would be timidity. Perhaps uh, you have uh, had someone say to you, how are you doing? And, uh, and so often when somebody's asked how they're doing, uh, the response is, oh, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. And, uh, and I really don't want to strain it on that here. But the fact of the matter is, is that no Christian is uh, under any circumstance. And uh, as if uh, it is just us against our circumstances. We are in our circumstances, but we are never under our circumstances. We are in our circumstances, but we are in them armed with the presence and the promises and the power of God's Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible teaches that boldness or confidence is to mark our lives as Christians. And I want to give you just some examples of just to see how prevalent this uh, perhaps uh, very overlooked part of the Christian life, how prevalent it is uh, in the Bible. Uh, amazingly, at God's invitation, boldness is to uh, mark our relationship with God. It's to mark our prayers to God, our approach to God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. And seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then here it is. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. To come before God in prayer, uh, to approach God in prayer, no hesitation, no fear, no timidity, uh, and we could hardly believe it except God gives us that kind uh, of an invitation. Uh, we can uh, do it anytime, anywhere, anytime uh, we feel that we have need of anything from God. He tells us to approach Him with that need and that He will respond to our prayers uh, never with rebuke, never with chiding, but always with some manifestation of His mercy and of His grace. It is a tremendous uh, promise that is uh, given to us a, a, an astonishing invitation, uh, really. God desires us to possess that kind of boldness and confidence in concerning anything that we face in life. In the same vein, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, uh, the writer says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us uh, through the veil that is His flesh. The Apostle John uh, speaks of this confidence in prayer. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, 
He said, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we, that is God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. And that's the kind of confidence that God wants us to have in our relationship with Him. It is one of the greatest uh, pleasures in life is to pray with a Christian uh, who understands these things and prays with uh, boldness. And, and I'm not talking about some kind of a learned behavior from uh, some part of Pentecostalism or the name it and claim it kind of people in, in that whole learned behavior that is there. But where someone really knows God and, uh, and understands Him to be bigger than anything we will ask of Him in prayer, understands God's promises and how to claim them. It is always such a pleasure to pray with uh, that uh, kind of a, a, of a person. And God wants all of us to be like that, bold in coming before the Lord and claiming His promises and, uh, and meeting with Him and asking for Him to meet our needs. It's important to remember that boldness marked, the, again, the entirety of Jesus' ministry. Uh, when the, 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 in John chapter 7, verse 25, when some of them were told from Jerusalem, that is, among the common people, uh, they declared, uh, is this not He whom they seek to kill. They were aware that the Jewish religious leaders were seeking to kill Jesus. And they said, but look, he speaks boldly. And they, have, they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that he is truly the Christ? Of course, Jesus was very bold in cleansing the temple at the beginning and at the end of his public ministries. And uh, his disciples remembered as they witnessed those events uh, concerning him, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. Uh, Jesus continually uh, stood up to the false teaching and to the uh, uh, misguided and wrong-headed traditions of men that had been elevated above the Word of God and even the worship of God uh, personally, and he stood up uh, to those who were advocating and advancing those things uh, continually in his ministry. We never see a moment of fear or timidity uh, in him. And as a result of that, as our lives are conformed into his image, then a, a boldness is going to mark our lives, a zeal for the things of God are going to mark our lives uh, as well. You might remember in John chapter 4, or Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were dragged before the Jewish Sanhedrin and uh, for healing uh, a lame man at one of the gates in Jerusalem, the gate beautiful, and they were called on to give an explanation for the healing uh, of the lame man in Jesus' name. And uh, Peter proceeded to preach 
uh, to them the salvation that is found in Jesus alone. And we aren't left to guess what the reaction was to Peter's preaching in that environment. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we're told, Now when they saw the boldness uh, of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they could see no uh, physical or natural cause for this boldness, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And then there they recognized the source of this boldness in their lives. They recognized it as the same boldness they had seen in the teaching and in the ministry of Jesus. And that that same power, that same boldness, that same wisdom that was in Jesus' life and they had come to know so well uh, was now at work in His disciples as well. I think what a wonderful prayer uh, that would be this morning. Lord, would You give me the same boldness that marked Jesus' life? And to know that to ask that is to ask in accordance with God's will and to know that He'll answer that prayer and give it to us. Boldness, the Bible teaches, is required to stand, uh, as we see in the Scriptures, to, to stand in the face of persecution in this world. And the early church was very, very well aware of it. Uh, Peter and uh, John, they uh, joined other Christians in uh, prayer following the Sanhedrin's command that they would no longer uh, preach Jesus in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, uh, in this prayer meeting, they cried out, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, uh, Jesus. And they asked, Jesus, they asked God to do even more miracles that, uh, that, than the one that had gotten them in trouble but that God would also then give them the boldness that they would need to stand uh, in, uh, in the environment of opposition that those miracles uh, would produce. And, uh, and that was their attitude. Boldness is needed in order to, of course, share the gospel, to share God's word with people. And there are still people waiting to hear the gospel in the world, or we wouldn't be here uh, as Christians. We think about Paul and Barnabas in this vein in Iconium, uh, Acts chapter uh, 14, verse 1. And now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. And therefore they stayed there a long time, Paul and Barnabas, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace and uh, uh, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And then Paul and Barnabas, and Antioch as well, in Acts chapter 13, verse 46, 
Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. When Paul was in uh, Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, just to give us a feel for how, how uh, dominant this characteristic of the Christian life was in the early church. Acts chapter 19, verse 8, and speaking of Paul, he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading according uh, concerning the things of the kingdom of God. When Paul ended up being imprisoned in Rome and, and, and the closing uh, verses of the book of Acts, Acts 28, verse 30, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning uh, the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, uh, no one forbidding him. And there's so many passages in the book of Acts that speak to this subject of uh, boldness. In fact, there would not uh, have been a early church or there wouldn't have been a book of Acts without the early church being marked by uh, this kind of boldness that God gives. But boldness isn't uh, just required for uh, preaching the gospel or teaching the Word of God. It's required for uh, life in general, navigating life, facing life in general, living in this uh, very fallen world that we live in, all of the spiritual warfare that surrounds us in the midst of it, and dealing with uh, other people. Uh, it's needed in the, just the daily nitty-gritty of life. Uh, King David asked for this boldness in uh, Psalm 138, verse 3. He said, in the day when I cried out, you, he says, speaking to God, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. David recognized his need for boldness, asked for it of God, and God gave it to him. Solomon wrote of boldness characterizing uh, the righteous in life. And Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I think very famously, the Apostle Paul, as he communicated uh, this bold confidence that uh, is to be ours as Christians in writing to the church at Philippi and Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. Here is the boldness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens uh, me. This bold, confident outlook that the Apostle Paul had uh, concerning life. 
And examples of this, not only in terms of scriptures, but uh, in terms of characters within the Bible. It uh, fills the Bible. We think, of course, of David in his youth when he went out uh, to face Goliath. What extraordinary boldness that marked his, uh, his life. And uh, he, first he rebukes uh, the fearful uh, among the army of the children of Israel and uh, uh, declares in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, he spoke to the men who stood by him. Uh, these are the roughest and toughest of, of the uh, military of Israel at the time, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And then here it is, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. And David showed up on that scene and he brought a boldness that, uh, that hadn't been present. And boldness is a contagious thing. And then as David was racing toward all uh, nine feet of Goliath, uh, he cried out to the Philistine, you come to me uh, with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And of course, uh, the rest is uh, history. The children of Israel, when they uh, left the bondage of Egypt in the great exodus, uh, were told that they departed from Ramses on the first month, on the 13th day of the first month, on the day after the Passover of the children of Israel, they went out with boldness in the sight uh, of the Egyptians. And so the exodus of the uh, children of Israel from Egypt was marked by boldness. And that exodus, uh, that uh, being freed from the bondage of Egypt, is symbolic. It is a type of uh, us as Christians being freed from the bondage of the world, the bondage uh, of sin when we become uh, Christians. And of course, no one will escape the bondage of sin uh, without boldness. We think about Caleb in the uh, Old Testament. And you remember him and Joshua were among the 12 spies that went in to spy out the promised land and they came back uh, he and Joshua with the good report of the land. Sure, there are giants in the land, and it's a formidable place. These are fearsome people in there, but God will cause them to become like grasshoppers under, uh, as, as people were saying, we'll be like grasshoppers under their feet. They said, no, it'll be the other way around. And so let's go into the land and take it. And of course, everyone believed the report of, of the ten uh, unbelieving, uh, non-bold uh, spies, and they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And only Joshua and Caleb uh, uh, lived uh, and survived that generation, dying in the wilderness. And then when Caleb comes into the promised land, he comes to Joshua, and what does he ask for? He asks for, at 85 years old, he requested that Joshua would give him the land of the Anakim, 
to conquer, the most fearsome of the people uh, in the promised land, and the giants that had put uh, fear into everybody's hearts uh, 40 years earlier. And here he is at 85 years old, uh, his life still marked by this kind of boldness. And we could go on and on. We could talk about everybody that is in the hall of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11 and, uh, and the boldness that characterized uh, their lives. And, uh, and, but let me uh, kind of close this here with a mention of the Apostle Paul once again in this regard. And it's very enlightening on the subject of boldness related to the Apostle Paul. And, and he's closing his letter to the church at Ephesus. And he's been talking about spiritual warfare. And he uh, wrote to them, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. And pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And it's very interesting to me that the Apostle Paul requested prayer of the churches in Ephesus and he asked others to pray for him for boldness. And I think that sometimes we can think that as we see the boldness of Paul as it's described for us in the Scriptures, that we can come to believe that he was just a, a, a naturally a bold person. And then we can put some distance between us and him by saying, I am not naturally a bold person. And, uh, and put a safe distance between uh, my walk with God and my service to God as opposed to what we see in the Apostle Paul. And yet Paul here makes it very, very clear that he understood the boldness with which he served the Lord and walked in as a Christian, that it was not something natural uh, to him, but that it was something that was supernatural and was given to him by God uh, in, in response to uh, prayer and supplication uh, for that boldness, that it was a work of the Holy Spirit in his life and answer to prayer. Now I close with the source, and, and I close quickly here, with the source of our boldness in, in the face of life and all of its circumstances. And, and the source of our boldness is, of course, the Holy Spirit. It isn't us trying, and it's the last thing I would want anyone to think related to what we're looking at today. This call of the Bible for us in terms of being bold and confident as Christians in life, whatever the circumstances, this isn't something where we roll up our sleeves and now we endeavor to do that ourselves. And uh, I can almost sense that there might be a number of people that listening thus far in all of this, and you might be thinking, oh great, if, 
as if I didn't have enough problems already, now I have to worry about being bold as a Christian uh, as, as well. And, it, and it, it, is, it is just simply asking God to produce this within us by His Holy Spirit. And uh, that prayer, God, would you give me a boldness that I see in the life of Jesus and in the early church, and the boldness that I need and the circumstances that I find myself in. And uh, that is a prayer that God will always answer. He will always supply us with uh, that boldness and confidence in life. Again, the Apostle Paul is talking and asking for prayer uh, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He, he, he recognizes that this comes into our life as a, a byproduct of prayer. It comes into our life from God uh, by asking uh, for it. Uh, again, in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we uh, referenced it earlier. And that uh, early uh, prayer meeting in the early church, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants. Uh, they're praying to God. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may uh, speak your word. And here's the recognition all the way through that what is required in terms of uh, a bold life, a confident life, and only a Christian can live a bold, confident life, but it is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and a boldness that is imparted to us as we ask for it uh, from God. And then in that passage where uh, that early church meeting prays to God for that boldness. The passage goes on to declare Acts chapter 4 verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's the Holy Spirit's part in all this, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. It is something that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives when we ask Him. And so let's be careful in this great worldwide trial that we find ourselves in as Christians not to forget the person and the work uh, of, of the Holy Spirit uh, and our need for Him in our lives. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, to receive that power to be a witness unto Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and wherever this pandemic or any other circumstance of life is going on, that power uh, to be a witness for Christ, to be like Him, uh, comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you just ask Him for that. Ask God for that, and He'll give it to you. The importance of, of continually uh, be asking to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you sense that you need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit every time you watch the headlines or see the news or whatever it is that's going on, and now it's the dominant influence within our lives? Uh, the necessity to be refilled with uh, the Holy Spirit. And God will do it. If we, uh, being evil, 
uh, as fathers know how to give uh, good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask in Luke chapter 11. God loves us. Uh, we will never, all of our life as we would explore the love of God, we will only barely scratch the surface of understanding how much God loves us. And God loves us. He has compassion upon us. He has compassion upon you and your individual circumstances that you're looking at. And our circumstances can be so individual. And Paul wrote in Romans and said, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also, with him also freely give us all things. If God has given us his greatest, he's, if he's given us his son, and he has, he will give us everything else that we need in our lives. I remember being in a very, very difficult circumstance a number of years ago, and God used a couple of Jeremy Camp songs to get me through them. I just sat and uh, listened to them with uh, a handful of others over and over and over and over again. And one of the songs was the song, Same Power, and it emphasizes the greatness uh, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's always a good reminder. Let me uh, read here to you a, a portion of it. Uh, and uh, the, the song goes, I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. And then the chorus, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead uh, to wake lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us, lives in us. He lives in us, lives in us. And one more little section. We have hope that his promises are true. In his strength, there is nothing we can't do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. And so this morning, this is less a Bible study and more a simple encouragement. And if I have uh, cluttered the message in any way, please forgive me. But it is intended to be a simple encouragement that God loves us, and out of that love for us, He wants us to live confidently as Christians, whatever our circumstances, uh, for our sakes, for our joy, for our peace, uh, for our everything in our life. This is what He longs for uh, uh, us to do. It is the, a quality of the Christian life that is a part of what Jesus uh, died on the cross and was buried and rose again to, to introduce into our lives a boldness and a confidence in life that we would never otherwise uh, know. 
And again, not with a boldness and a confidence that is man-made or we work up or even as a learned behavior as a Christian, but it is a boldness that comes out of the reality that God is with us. And even when we lose sight of that, He never loses sight of that. And that He keeps His promises, always keeps His promises, and that He gives us power by His Holy Spirit. God loves you. He is with you. He is for you today, and He wants to provide you with a very deep and a very strong uh, boldness and confidence, no matter what it is that you're facing today, and just to ask Him for it today, and He'll impart it to you. This is the kind of thing where I deliver the message, but it's a lab. It's It's an experiment, so to speak. I can only make known to us what God desires and what His Word promises. And then we must individually then go to God and say, God, I want that to characterize my life. I want that to be a quality of my Christian life. And then it's between you and God for that to happen, and it will happen as we go uh, to Him for it. And some of you may sit and say, well, I don't know what in the world this guy's talking about and, uh, uh, on things and, and the need for boldness, and I'm getting along uh, just fine. Well, uh, you be careful, buckaroo, uh, and just keep all of this in your hip pocket somewhere uh, because you may find that circumstances will come uh, sometime in your future where all of this will become uh, very, very important to you. We are not uh, without hope and without God in this world. We are not without hope and without God in this world. Again, uh, back to our Hebrew passage in chapter 13. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And just a simple thought here this morning to ask ourselves whether my life is marked by that kind of, and characterized by that kind of boldness and confidence that we see in the Scriptures. And if it isn't, again, the heart of God so wants that to mark our Christian life and to take uh, some time this afternoon and allow His presence in your life and His promises and, and His power to once again impact the circumstances that may be pushing you toward fear and timidity. And then face those circumstances and ask God for the boldness that comes out of His presence and His promises and His power now uh, to be imparted to your life and God will be faithful to do that uh, supernatural uh, work. I think that it hurts his heart. He wants us to live confidently. He wants us to live boldly. And I think that it hurts his heart um, if we aren't in that, uh, that place when he knows that it's there and it's available for the asking and for the receiving. So let's uh, close now in a word of prayer. Father, I've tried to be faithful to deliver what I think is 
a message from you on this interesting and, and a dominant but overlooked subject in your word and the subject of boldness and confidence in the Christian life. And I pray that for every single person and every living room and den and, and study and wherever they are and they have heard this message and they recognize that they are under the circumstances and they are being bullied by their circumstances and they are being beaten up by life and they are, have been driven into a corner and they're living in, the, in a timidity and, and in a fear that you would bear witness to this message in their life. And I pray and we pray for our church body wherever they are in the world today that you would give a fresh revelation of your presence and what that means, a fresh revelation and, and an application of your promises to whatever we're facing. And then, Lord, as we turn to you today and ask for your power and your boldness that you would impart it to us. And so, Lord, we want your heart to be gladdened. We want you to look at us as your children and to see that we're walking in a boldness and a confidence and in the fullness of the Christian life that you have provided to us and that we're not being beaten up unnecessarily in life. And so confirm your word with accompanying signs and wonders, we pray. Magnify yourself, glorify yourself, take, draw us closer to you, Lord, as you do so. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Trinity, would you close us in a song?